Welcome to this week's edition of Slasher Trash Podcast. I am your metal hook aficionado, Sydney, and with me, as always, is Matt. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Wonderful. All right. So, what did you think about the movies for this week? Uh, they were okay. What do you mean they were okay? Not great. I mean, they weren't as good as like Jason X or um or Jim or Jim. <laughs> Halloween Jim. No, of course they're really good. Yeah, they're really, really good, good movies. They're good. And once we finally uh, got this figured out, the whole setup with the podcast. Maybe. Let's see. Let's let's not. We got yeah, it. Let's not. Let's Hopefully not we got it. So I, I have a feeling. Wait, wait, before we start, I have a feeling that the last pod that we just put out before this one is going to sound terrible. Oh yeah, I, I, I was getting ready to say that. It's got a lot of echoing in it. Um, yeah. So I was getting ready to say that we didn't even try editing it because um, we recorded it four times, and so we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Just put it out there. <laughs> That's so, it. so we apologize if last podcast um, sounds like shit. It probably does. Yeah, it'd be um, But this one hopefully will sound a whole lot better. We hope so. We'll see. We, we hope. Um, and so, if you made it through last week's pod, then you'll you know what we're talking about as far as what movies we're doing. But uh, if you turn it off after the first thirty seconds, we understand. Oh yeah. But if you didn't catch it uh, this week, we are slashing and trashing the original 1987 classic Hellraiser versus my favorite horror movie of all time, 1992's Candyman. I yeah, thought both movies kind of have remakes to them. Because I, I guess, isn't the new Hellraiser, isn't that like, it's based on this new, story? Is that new correct? New Hellraiser is. Um, I just read it's a franchise reboot. Okay, yeah. So and then, and then, then Candyman has the direct sequel that yes. ignores Candyman two and three. So yes, yes. yeah, but okay, but those were actually pretty good movies. I will say. Yeah. I, the Hellraiser Hell was kind of wasn't great. I, uh, I Candyman it. was awesome. The new Candyman was fantastic. I, I enjoyed the new Hellraiser. Yeah, you would. Uh, yeah, because it's a gore fest. Yeah. People getting stabbed and shit. Mm-hmm. All kinds of hooks and chains and whips. And you're all about that wokeness. <laughs> Not about the wokeness. You like your woke Cenobites? No, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I like... i kidding. You think I give a shit? No, but, care. like, <laughs> Clive Barker even said to himself, he was, like, in um, Hellbound Heart, it never says explicitly that the lead Cenobite, no. Pinhead, no, is exactly. a yeah. male or a female. So yeah. I don't see why people got pissed off I don't know whenever either. it was... That's kind of like the whole aerial thing with the, the new Little Mermaid, where it's a, it's a black It's girl. a mermaid. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, guys, hey guys, it's a mermaid. 
<laughs> it's a fictional character. Yeah. It's like but, the same thing. Remember SpongeBob and uh, now we're going we're going down a rabbit hole. Now remember yeah. SpongeBob and uh, Patrick were gay. I was like, oh really? Uh, they're cartoons. No, but then and I love this because I am currently a marine bio student and I watched an interview with Steve Hillenberg, rest in peace. Um, and he said he was like, he's dead. Well, yeah. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, he died of a heart attack. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Steven Hillenberg. Too many Krabby Patties. I know. But um, he sure? said, no. he said he was like, well, SpongeBob is asexual, which is really funny as a marine biology student because all sponges are asexual. So it's just, it's really just like a nerdy Ooh, thing. Nerd humor. Wow. Because <laughs> everyone was like, oh, that means he's a part of the LGBTQI. And I'm like, um... Actually, yeah, actually, um, actually, <laughs> if uh, if uh, if you if you read the genomes of the um, um <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but I just thought it was really funny how yeah. you, how you how you made that joke like that. All right, come on, let's get in this thing. Man. All let's, right, let's go. Tennessee baseball's playing tonight. Hopefully. Probably not. It's yeah, probably not. Be. It's been it's been rained out again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, be okay. so uh, we are going to start off with Hellraiser. Pinhead! Hells yeah! Alright, uh... What was that basic white Hells yeah! Hells yeah. Oh my I, I say hells yeah! Oh my lord. Alright, so, uh, Hellraiser... Oh, Hellraiser, yeah. Hellraiser, uh, written and directed by Clive Barker, who, um, published a novella called The Hellbound Heart, which is what this movie is based on. Yes. Um, it stars Andrew Robinson, Claire Higgins, Ashley Lawrence, and Doug Bradley as Pinhead. The only person who should play Pinhead. Yeah. Sorry, I'll just Which I just over. read on here that, um... Bar- God! Doug Bradley. Bradley, thank you. I was going to say Barker. Wow. Uh, Bradley played Pinhead for the first seven movies. Yes. And then he stopped. Wait, there's seven of those movies? There's nine. <laughs> oh my god, I knew there was like revel- revolutions or revolutions yeah, where, so, where there's some um, other guy who plays him. Cause I watched it down here on the uh, on the smart TV when yeah. we first got there. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I found it. I was like, oh, there's a new Hellraiser. And I put it on and I was like, this is garbage. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, it was followed by nine sequels, the first seven of which featured Bradley reprising his role as Pinhead. Well, he got paid. That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the budget for this movie was $1 million. Uh, box office made $14.6 million, which you made a good point that it came out in the late 80s. Uh, uh, that was a mid, what was it? 80? 87. 87. That's mid-80s. Well, it's, it's late. It's still. I wouldn't say it wasn't that. I said it was a satanic bag, but that really wasn't the time. That was more like the early '80s. But still, there was there still. Were, it was a very conservative base in in the country at the time, and right. not a lot of people are going to see a movie called Hellraiser. Yeah, I mean, I would have. Yeah, I would have too. Well, actually, I was too young, but I saw it on VHS when it came out. So and I saw it on a streaming site. Look well, at the generational and thing. Then look at that, man! I saw it on Betamax when I was nineteen. Uh, but it had a almost ninety-minute runtime, ninety-three minutes. So mm-hmm. it's it's solid. It stays really right in my wheelhouse. Yep. It's good for your wheelhouse. Once it hits that that uh, two-hour two-hour mark, that yeah. hundred twenty-minute mark, it's like okay. Yeah. But but yeah, so ninety-three-minute runtime. And let's get into the plot. Do it. Plot, plot. In Morocco, Frank Cotton buys a souped-up Rubik's Cube, to say the least, um, said to open the door to a realm of otherworldly pleasure. Now, Frank, Uncle Frank, he's very much into S&M. He's a strange cat. First of all, you made the comment about the Rubik's Cube. I played Rubik's Cube several times. 
They ain't been that easy. It ain't never been no like chains and whips and stuff coming out of it. I mean, I felt defeated. I felt defeated many times playing it. It's like you made, it made me feel stupid a lot of times. I say I'm not one that I, my brain doesn't work. With and then you have you. The, then you have the kids who can do it like in like three seconds. My now, friend like, Landon, he, I I would I would literally take it in algebra two. <laughs> Take the Rubik's Cube, put it under the table, shuffle it up, give it to him, he'd solve it in like 30 seconds. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with See, you? Back in my day, we used to beat those kids up. Those were the ones we used to just beat the shit out of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> PSA, don't bully. Because <laughs> I was yeah, a math lead and I got true. a lot of shit, so true, please true, yeah, yeah. don't bully. True. All right, so that home, Frank, um, is in his attic. He solves the souped-up Rubik's Cube. Yep. And a bunch of hooks and chains come out of the walls and the ceiling and hook into his skin and tear him apart and send him to... We don't know. Send him by Bill. <laughs> send him by Bill. The, the other realm. Hey, you know what they say. What? The hook. It brings you back. I ain't telling you no lie. Love <laughs> Alright, All right, but anyway, so um, Frank gets sent to this other dimension. I don't know why I'm yelling now. But <laughs> yeah, I'm yelling and I don't know why. But, uh, Frank gets sent to another dimension and the Rubik's Cube is still in the attic, uh, which is called the Lament Configuration. The Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Call it the Lament in the box or the Lament, the the Lament configuration. configuration. Or... But I like Souped Up Rubik's Cube. That's fun. Oh my god, Souped Up Rubik's Cube. Okay. Yeah, right. but anyway, it resets back to its original form, and it just stays in the attic. So, two weeks later, Frank's brother Larry, who knows that his brother is missing, moves into Frank's house? Yeah, why not? He wants to feel closer to his brother by living <laughs> with his stuff. Yeah. I mean, Frank's not using it, so he might as well go ahead and use his stuff. I mean, he might have some good stuff. You never like know. what? The mattress on the floor? The mattress on the and floor. The dirty one. Heat, yep. The gross Polaroid. And probably some nasty ass, like, dirty SM porns, like, slidden under the mattress. Oh, yeah. No, never... no it's the SM Polaroids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, we'll get into that. So he intends to rebuild his relationship with his second wife, Julia. Julia is a peach. Julia the Peach, who had an affair with Frank before she settled okay. for Larry. Maybe not so much of a peach. Maybe more like a lemon. Yes, I'd go with a lemon. And, uh, but I like lemons. Every villain is lemon. <laughs> Evil! Another Spongebob reference. There you go. There you go. Spongebob from hell. Spongebob, <laughs> SpongeBob from hell episode. <laughs> So, um, Larry is unaware that Julia had an affair, which, I mean, if he wasn't aware, if he was aware of the affair, then it'd be kind of weird. <laughs> There's a lot of rhyming there. Aware of the affair. Aware of the affair. I don't care. Nice hair. Are you wearing underwear? Don't <laughs> ask your dad that. I swear. Hey! Uh, okay. So, but, Julia's looking throughout the house. Larry is moving furniture with the moving guys, and he's... he's Honestly, kind of chill with the moving guys making comments about Julia. Be like, I know, he's like, man, look at her. Look at her. And Larry's like, sexy grandma. Larry's like, all right, let me help you with this sofa up the steps. And so, but Julia's going and investigating the house and she finds, um, Frank's bedroom, which bedroom. First of bedroom. all, you can't, it's it's the mattress room because that's all it is is a dirty ass mattress on the floor on the floor. <laughs> with the Polaroid shut right, underneath like it, the, like some, like, it's like 
It's like the people that get kidnapped and get kept in somebody's basement. Like the, were, the Cleveland girls, the, is that where they were yeah. in Cleveland? That's what they were sleeping on. Oh my god, yeah, yes! I, I love the Cleveland girls. Yeah. Fuck Ariel Castro. Oh, yeah. They got away. It's awesome. B- bitch ass committed suicide in prison. Oh, yeah, well, that's what they all do. Bitch! Wow. Oh, the Unabomber died. Hot take. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Suicide. Yeah. Crazy. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> two for two. Two for two. Who's next? Yeah, but, I mean, if you're contemplating suicide, don't... Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, talk, Don't do that. Talk, talk to somebody. Talk to someone. Don't do that. Unless you're a douchebag that has... Right, why are we giving this PSA? Put, unless, In the middle of unless you're a guy who is putting bombs places... Yeah. Or kidnapping 15-year-old girls. Yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Like but that. if you're not... Hang in there. It gets better. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I know from, from experience. Just trust me. Oh, you think you know you're only 20 years old. Wait till you get to be my age and you're just broke down from life. and You just you just pray someday that sweet, sweet death comes calling for you. Just in a glorious moment. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Where, where, where were we at? Oh. Uh, anyway, the movie. Go ahead. The movie. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Larry's moving a couch up the steps. Yes. There you go. Julia's looking at this Polaroid porn. Pivot! Okay, go ahead. Pivot. Julia's looking at Frank's Polaroid porn and getting, like, flashbacks of her night out with him and, like, her sexy time with him because apparently Larry's bad in the sack. Because <laughs> she's just fantasizing about Frank. Larry's bad in the sack. Yeah, there, Frank was just really good in the sack. She was just into that twisted shit. But, yeah, so she, she leaves um, the bedroom. She goes up in the attic, and she's just looking around. It's an empty attic. And then Larry cuts his hand. Oh, no. Ow. Ow. Don't worry, the floor will drink that. <laughs> no, so, so Larry runs up. It's like, Julia, I cut my hand. I cut my hand. She goes and he patches him up. But a few drips of blood go on the floor of the attic. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting, you know, their bounty paper towels. Hey, you know what? I just realized something. They would save a fortune on paper towels because that floor just soaks up that blood. It does. <laughs> they don't have to mop it. Oh, my God, it's great. And then we have, honestly... One of the cooler scenes in this movie, which is the um, skinless body of Frank coming up out of the floor. Yeah. Are you not even listening to me? I'm listening. You're looking at your phone. I'm looking up stuff for the movie. Go. Okay. But I, I was just saying it's one of the cooler scenes because it's just like it's a um, basically a skeleton with a bunch of like tendons and blood just hanging off it and it's coming up and it just goes like, like it comes out the yeah. floor. And you know how they shot that? Uh, no hell. So they had a wax body set up, and they melted the wax, and then they just played it in reverse. So, That's pretty cool. So yeah, I, it's I, a neat. It's a really cool scene. It is, yeah, it, it's pretty pretty smart the way they did it. Yeah, I I love it. Yeah. Uh, Julia later goes up to the attic to get away from Larry. Apparently. Yeah, she- I'm going to go back and look at them dirty Polaroids again. So yeah, so she goes back up to the attic, and then Frank's hiding in the corner going, Come to Daddy. <laughs> Come to Daddy. Come be with your meat puppet that I am. Yeah, and um, he's lacking, you know, a little bit of skin. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. He, he looks... <laughs> he looks like he's got a serious case of road rash. <laughs> he looks like Itchy and Scratchy whenever Scratchy takes the pill. <laughs> yeah, pulls it off him. He looks like... If a herpes came to life and walked around that arm and leg, he looked like a pulsating herpy. <laughs> so uh, Julia finds Frank, and 
instead of being wigged out by his lack of skin, she lets him, like, touch all over her face oh, God, and so drag gross. his thumb over her lip. And she's still, like, in love with him and obsessed over this guy. And, um... He tells her, he's like, he's like, the only way I can restore my body is by blood. And so she, instead of being like, uh, fuck this, she's like, okay, I'll help you. And starts, um, picking up men in bars, taking them back to the house, up to the attic, hitting them with a hammer, and letting Frank sl slink his hand in the back of their neck and take their life force. Yeah. That way, he kind of resurrects himself right. a little bit. Exactly. Now, here's what I want to say. So, how many, how many did she bring back? Did she, was there like um, one or two? I mean, I don't know. If there was, there was three. I know. Of. I'm just here, here's here's my here's a little continuity thing with me. All right, so a few drops of blood brought him back. I mean, literally from nothing to full muscle, but just to get his skin, he's got. I have like. 10 or 12 guys, blood. No, but it's also like to get like his senses back. Like, oh, remember okay. how he likes a cigarette? He's like, oh, I can finally taste a cigarette. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot. So it's like, it's to yeah. bring him back as a human life form, essentially. Yes. Gotcha. Um, Frank explains to Julia after, while he's doing the cigarette thing, that having exhausted all sensory experiences, he sought out the Lament configuration. Uh, which is supposed to provide access to a realm of new carnal pleasures. When the puzzle was solved, the Cenobites came to subje subject him to extreme sadomasochism. Yes, which basically was sticking hooks in his body and tearing his skin off. Yeah, but then, like, in, in uh, Hellraiser 2, you see that Frank's suite is not all that bad. He just can't have sex. Yeah. Like, it's like a woman laying under a sheet, and he pulls the sheet off, and then there's nothing underneath. Yes. It's like, that's not, that's not it's, horrible. It's, Torture though, it's I mean, it's, it's still torture, torture for him. Yeah, exactly. Because he's the everyone has their own torture. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like in Preacher with the, the show Preacher when they all had their own little cell and they had to relive the light, relive the thing over and over and over. You know, that's how we found out how Hitler didn't like the Jews because of the damn cake. <laughs> Watch preacher. Yeah, go watch you gotta preacher. watch it. You gotta watch it. It's, we do not support Hitler. That sounds very odd. We don't support Hitler. Just watch preacher. You'll understand. You have to be very tongue in cheek because it's it's very it's uh, it's very sacrilegious. Yes, but it's very funny. That's very funny. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to preacher. So now we look at Kirsty, Larry's teenage daughter from his first marriage. Yeah. Now she's a teenager. It says teenage daughter. She's a teenager. Are you sure? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, I would. I would say 26, 27, but okay, go ahead. I was thinking more like college student. Okay, well, she's out of the house and she's yeah. doing her own thing. So okay. let's put her at college student. So like 18, 19, somewhere in there. Okay, we'll try. So Kirsty, we've been following her around the whole this whole time. She works at a pet store. She has a boyfriend named Steve. Yeah, absent, absentee boyfriend. Steve. Yeah, absentee boyfriend Steve. He's only there for like two seconds. Um, she works at a pet store, and then she sees this vagrant walk in, and he's eating their crickets and stuff, their reptiles. And she goes over to the vagrant. She goes. Put those back. It's like, uh, no, no. Take them with you and get out. Yeah, just just leave the store. Here, exactly. have a bag of them. Who cares? Just yeah, go. Just get out. It's ridiculous. But yeah, so anyway, so Kirstie's coming home from work, and she does not like Julia at all, because, you know, evil stepmother trope. No, yeah, of course, yeah. And so Kirstie, she's going to go stop by the house for dinner or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she sees Julia bringing in some men. 
Yes. And so Kirsty sneaks to the house, follows them up to the attic, and she opens, she kind of cracks the door a little bit, and she sees uh, Julia with this man. She sees her hit this man with a hammer. Mm-hmm. And then she sees Frank. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So she's expecting to see a little naughty time. I'm going to bust Julia. I'm going to break him up. Her, her, and my dad is going to be over. And then what the fuck? Homicide. And oh my god, she just <laughs> smashed her. And what the fuck is that thing walking around <laughs> without the skin? Yeah. Um. So Frank starts going at Kirstie. You know, come to daddy. And he's <laughs> <laughs> Three or four yeah. times. And Come to daddy. Come to daddy. And, and she's like, no, no, fuck you. And so Kirstie grabs the puzzle box and is like, you want it? And she throws it out the window. And Frank's like, no. And then she runs out of the house, grabs the puzzle box, runs so fast and so hard that she collapses. How did she know to grab the puzzle box? I, I don't know. I guess that was just a weird looking thing, and like he's a weird looking thing, so yeah. like they have to be. I guess you know, did she grab it? I guess she grabbed it. And he kind of reacted to it. I guess, yeah. and she was like, "Oh, you need this shit, right, Cuz?" Oh, okay. oh, here's here's the funny thing. So they go. for this movie, they only had one lament configuration. Oh my god! So whatever she threw out the window, there's. <laughs> The guy standing outside the window going, oh, I'm trying to catch it. No, there was, there was literally a guy that was set there to catch the lament configuration so it didn't break because it was hand painted. So. And this is like in '87, they probably hired, hired like Jerry Rice, wide receiver for the 49ers. He's out there. He's like, okay, Jerry, you have one job don't drop the box. <laughs> But yeah, so she throws it out, she runs, and then she collapses in the street. And she wakes up in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor's like, oh, you were exhausted, like, someone found you, called us, you know, we took care of you. Oh, by the way, here's the thing you came with, here's this weird box thing. Yeah, here's the, bo- here's the demented Rubik's Cube. I mean, it could have been, like, drugs or something, for all they knew. Exactly. It's like one of those things yeah. where you hold on to it until they ask for it, be like, hey, I need this specific thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they immediately like, oh, here's your box back. And so she immediately solves it. And that just makes you wonder, how easy is the lament configuration to solve? It's easy to get in the hell. That's all I know. Yeah. It's real easy to get in the hell. I don't understand how easy it is to solve because everyone's solving this cube. Yeah, pretty quick. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty quickly. Like, Well, it seems like, because it seems like it should be like a, a thing that is a little harder to do. And just, a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, just because of what it opens up. But no, it's like, yeah, hang just, just twist this thing. Okay, here they come. Can you imagine yeah. if, like, a three-year-old got a hold of that? I know, right? That's not safe. Your, your kid downstairs has the wrong, has the wrong, you're like, oh, why do I have the Rubik's Cube? Where's my little, oh, no. Oh, no. <gasps> you hear downstairs, I have such wondrous sights to show you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Kirsty solves the box out of curiosity and opens up this doorway on a wall. Yes. And any rational human would walk into this dark corridor that comes out of nowhere. Uh, I can think of one who would not. That would be, um, oh, me? You wouldn't? No, hell no. I would. No, hell, you would not. Oh, my God, you'd jump out, the, you'd hang out the window, you'd be hanging, like, off off the window ledge, like, on the front door, <laughs> just hanging there. Maybe they won't find me out here. <laughs> Okay, so she um, she walks into the corridor, and we see he's honestly the first Cenobite that we see yes. because we don't we don't see anything else whenever Frank opens it up. No. So she sees the first Cenobite, which is the engineer. Which honestly, the engineer looks really fucking cool. Yeah. 
until you watch it frame by frame and you can see the cart that it's getting pushed on. That's, yeah, you can, yeah, it's it, well, it's I mean, like I said, it's it's the mid eighties. Well, there was a guy laying down working because it's basically like the engineer is like a two headed creature. Yes, and it's like this big hookworm thing. And there's a guy standing up working the top of the puppet, and there's a guy laying down working the bottom of the puppet, and then there's someone behind it just pushing it, pushing it and yeah. you can see the cart, and I'm like, okay, guys. Maybe that's one of his, like, slaves in hell. I mean, it could be like, you know... Maybe they're attached to a cart. Yeah, it's like, pushed by cart. Push my cart. <laughs> but, um, so she, she runs out of the corridor, and she escapes the engineer, the door closes, and she's like, what the hell was that? And then she, uh, looks around and sees... The Order of the Gash. The Order of the Gash. It's the worst name of a group. I love it. In, in history. The but, Order of the Gash. Yeah, but they're so okay. bad at right. Because, now I'm going to be a little dirty here, but okay. Gash is a slang term for vagina. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I thought, I thought that was gooch. No, wait, that's that's a, that's a guy gooch. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> the gooch is the taint. The gash is the vagina. There's, I spit my drink there's everywhere. The, there's, the name of our, there's the name of our episode. <laughs> the Gooch is the Taint. The Gooch is the Taint. Hellraiser. Uh, yeah, but I was like, oh, no, that's not. Yeah. But yeah, the Order of the Gash, which honestly, if you don't think of it as a vaginal term. But they don't mention is it. Is it ever mentioned in the movie that they call it the Order of the Gash? Or is this just. No, that's like, what like Barker calls it. Yeah, okay. That's what Barker right. calls them, is the Order of the Gash. So, so the Cenobites. So, yeah, the Cenobites. So we have the lead Cenobite. He's not called Pinhead in this movie. But he is Pinhead. He's Pinhead, but yes. he's called the lead Cenobite in this movie. Yeah. So we have the lead Cenobite Pinhead, we have the female Cenobite, we have Butterball, which is basically like the guard dog, yes. and we have the Chatterer Cenobite, which the Chatterer Cenobite reeked me the hell out. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, between Hellraiser 1 and Hellraiser 2, they had to change, like, it was the same actors. Yeah. But they had to change the special effects of it just so they could see because they were walking around blind. Really? Oh God, that'd be terrible. <laughs> that would be so awful. And they were walking around blind, and then they, whenever they were signed off for the next movie, they're like, "Hey, uh, can we get some eye holes?" Did <laughs> <laughs> you imagine the poor guy in the costume? Like, okay, action, Jim. You're looking at the wall. Jim, turn, turn. No, the other way, Jim. Jim, turn to face the girl. No, now you're looking at Pinhead. Jim. Oh shit! All right, uh, <laughs> close enough. But yeah, so the the actors couldn't see, and so they're like, "Hey, uh, can we redo the makeup to where we can see That'd possibly?" Be nice. <laughs> and then they did it. So like, it was, it was all cool. Yeah. So, but honestly, Pinhead is one of the first um, horror movie characters that really just scared the shit out of me. As oh kid. yeah. As a kid, it mm-hmm. was because there was the one kid. There was that one guy that was at Haunts and Happenings, which was our our hometown like Halloween yeah. center. Yeah, it was really cool. He did a really good job. And he did his own um, special effects makeup, mm-hmm. and he didn't like put on like a, a pinhead mask. He did it like yeah. he had the cap, and he did like all the pins and stuff. And it was really me as an adult now. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. But me as a nine year old kid, <laughs> it a, was it, creepy that, that, as hell. That took him a lot of time. It really did. It was, yeah. it was really well, because Doug Bradley, who plays Pinhead, guess how long it took him in the chair? I can imagine hours. Six hours. Yeah, I could, a that, day. That's ridiculous. And then six then hours have, a day, then you have and to go work, and then yeah. yeah. Because Jeez. they couldn't, they couldn't like just like keep it on and then just touch yeah. it up. Well, fortunately, they had to take it off. Fortunately, and put it he's on. not in a great deal of this movie. So I guess it yeah. doesn't, you know. Yeah, but six hours a day sitting yeah. in the makeup chair. 
That'd be rough, I'm oh telling you. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I don't like whenever I have, like, a formal event and having to spend 45 hours, <laughs> like, 45 minutes on my makeup, let alone six hours. But I can if you can't it. get it done in 30 minutes, Not worth right. it. I don't want nothing with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, the Cenobites uh, later, if I can read, uh, Pinhead um, explains to Kirsty that they have been perceived as demons to some and angels to others. And they are simply explorers from another dimension seeking carnal experiences and they can no longer differentiate, differentiate between pain and pleasure. Yes. Yeah. So basically they're, uh, they're, they're sadomasochist demons. They're S&M demons. Well, they're, who, they're who demons are, to some, angels to others. Who been, well, they're, <laughs> they're angels to the people that are into that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're just they're they're just like sex demons, basically, is what this. Um, but not even sex. It's not even the sex. Who is the, um, it's the? It's the pain. It's the pain thing. More. more who was that? That um, serial killer pedo guy that stuck nails and pins in his crotch. I have no idea, but I want to know now. No, but it, it was, he was in um, um, House of uh, Thousand Corpses in the murder right. Oh, uh, was it Dick Hammernail? No. Oh God, I gotta look it up now. I gotta look it up now. Was Pins it, in groin. Was dude. it, uh, <laughs> was it nail, nail ball Bob? Nail ball Bob. No, it's um. Uh, Peter Ten Penny Pounder. True crime. How about that? Oh my God. Albert Fish. Albert Fish. Really? Was that who did it? Yeah. Oh, I know that. He was a cannibal child killer that was really... I, I, know, Albert, I know Albert Fish, yeah. He was really uh, wanted to get that they did it. They did it. sensation. <laughs> that pins and needles feeling. <laughs> Eat a peppermint patty. It's, I get the cool sensation of driving sensation. of driving nails through my penis. Yeah. Yeah, they did but, a big... They did like a three or four part on him on uh, last podcast on the left, and it was it was really... It's, wow. He's a creep. Woo! Yeah. That's a, that was, that's a cat there. Don't stick pins and needles in your in no, garage. No, and also, not. don't uh, kill and eat children. Oh, my God. Will you stop with the PSAs? <laughs> Stop with the PSA. Okay, fine. So, demons of some ancient R.I.P. Albert F- Fishing Cock Fishing Balls. Don't say R.I.P. to him. He oh, okay. Burn I'm sorry. Well, you're the R.I.P. person. You need like, the R.I.P.s and shout outs and all. All right. So, when when the Cenobites attempt to force Kersey to return to their realm with them because, hey, she opened the freaking box. That's right. You gotta go. Gotta, gotta go. go. You've seen too much. Uh, she informs Pinhead that Frank has escaped them, and the Cenobites agree to spare Kirsty and recapture Frank instead, with the condition that Frank must confess to escaping them. That's very important. Yes. Very important. And you'll see why later. Yeah. So, um, then we have this whole thing, basically. It's kind of like a little cutscene where Julia's starting to feel guilty about, you know, all these guys that are that have been killed in order yeah, to course, resurrect yeah. Frank. Yeah. Um, she she's having that moral dilemma of should should she tell, <laughs> should she tell Larry about it? Maybe I'm remembering that Frank was a good lover when he really wasn't cuz I'm just a bored housewife who decided to resurrect her old boyfriend from the dead by killing other people and helping him escape Satan's worst tormenting demons that he could bring upon him or you know maybe I'm just I don't know, maybe I'm menopausal yeah but so she's having this moral dilemma of should she keep doing what she's doing uh kill more men and be with Frank or should she tell Larry what do you 
think she chooses dead? Oh man, she's she's gonna come clean. She's gonna um no, of course not. No, she's gonna she's gonna send Larry up to the attic and be like yep. be like deuces Larry and then Frank kills Larry yep. and wears him as a Larry suit. Larry suits, yes, Larry suits are on sale. Uh fifty percent off today. Yep. Skin suits, baby. Yeah, actually, it was 100% off Larry. But. <laughs> hey, yeah, so basically, Frank steals Larry's life force, skins him, and wears his body like a suit. Yes. So then, Carsey returns home from the hospital, where she sees Larry and Julia. Yes. Except Larry is kind of, you know, bleeding, you know, at the, at the scalp. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little well, bit. Know, he didn't quite fit, I think. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think I think Frank is a forty-four large, and uh, or forty-four long, and uh, Larry was like a forty-two. So what I'm saying is Frank was a good-looking guy. Frank was a really good-looking guy, and then you look at Larry; he's like the, the wacky younger brother. Wacky younger brother. <laughs> yeah, you look at him; it's like there's no way these two are related. Well, he was, he was probably stable. That's probably that's probably why Julia went with him because it was it was a stable way to be. Yeah. So. Um, Julia is walking around with Kirstie, be like, oh, Kirstie, I didn't know you were coming home, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Kirstie's wandering around, and she finally puts two and two together, like, oh, this isn't my dad, this is Frank, and she goes up to the attic, and she sees, uh, Larry's, you know, skinless body. Yes. And, which is, which is not traumatic at all for No, Kirstie. no, I'm sure, I'm sure she recovered pretty quickly for that. So she she then runs out of the attic and locks the door behind her. The Cenobites appear and not fooled by the deception because that's why Frank carried the body up and yeah. let the body there is is like oh this is Frank this is Frank you know but the Cenobites are like fuck you no it's not yeah, hey hey you that's you 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 yeah uh, demand the man who did this the man they want to know who did this yeah. So, well, they know the answer, that's why. Yeah. Uh, Carsey tries to escape, but is held by Julia and Frank. Frank reveals his true identity to Kirsty, and when his sexual advances are rejected, he decides to kill her to complete his rejuvenation. That's right. Yep, he needs one more. Just one. It's always one more. It's always one more. It's always, like when you're drinking, it's always one more. It's like, yeah. you know, when you're eating like oh, chocolate, always one it's one more, more. Come to daddy. Yeah, it's always one more, you know. Come to daddy. Come to daddy. Yes. Uh... He then lunges at her with a knife and he stabs Julia. Yep. Oh no! Oh, he's so heartbroken over it. He is. He goes, nothing personal, babe. And <laughs> drops her on the floor. Yeah, he's like, ah, well, sorry, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, so, but, just, I'm sorry, it's just that continuity thing, which we'll bring up in just a second. But mm, yeah, we talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. It's a continuity error. Um, let's see here. Where am I at? Where am I at? It doesn't bother you, though. It's not that big a deal. It's just, it's weird for the sequel. For me. Okay. So. Still. Um, Frank chases Kirstie to the attic, and when he's about to kill her again, the Cenobites appear because they heard him, they heard Frank say, oh, I killed your dad. Yeah. He confessed. Yeah. And that's what they wanted. Yeah, so now they are certain he is the one they're looking for. The chains and hooks come back out of the walls. They hook into his skin. And the beautiful, beautiful scene of this whole thing is it gets quiet. Frank slash Larry skin suit licks his lips and just goes, 
Jesus wept was, and pulled him apart. That was creepy. I'm that like, was, whoa! That was really creepy. It was like, Jesus. It was so well done, nuts. though. It was so beautifully done. But it's just so creepy. It's like, man, it's just, wow. Yeah, I don't know if that was um, just like, you know, ad-libbed or if it was in the original script. But if it was in the original script, kudos to Barker. Either way, it's uh, it is it's, beautifully it's, it's, done. It's, it's a neat scene. It, yes. It's like, whoa, that's, woof. Woo, yeah. man. Oh my god, Ridley just kicked me in the foot. Ow. We had a dog uh, a dog uh, entrance into the podcast once again. Oh Damn. Okay. So uh the Cinnabites are still like Oh, Kirsty, you've kind of seen a whole lot. Uh, come back <laughs> yeah, with us anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're just going to take you with us. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she grabs the little man configuration from Julia's dead hands, which... That's my tiff. Julia died on the staircase. Yeah. But then whenever Kirsty tries to grab the lament configuration from Julia, Julia is ensnared on the bed. So that makes me wonder if Julia actually died on the stairs or, like, whoever had the lament configuration, like, dropped it on the stairs. She, like, ran, like, she crawled up to the bed real quick and she saw that that way she could have that immortality of possible. being in that, yeah. in the realm. I'm not sure, yeah, it's either that or that. I'm sure there, there was an explanation for it somewhere. I mean, that's that's kind of a big thing. I don't think... It's a big thing for part two because I don't that's... Think, yeah, well, it's because the mattress is the, is, the, uh, is, the, is the catalyst for her coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's why I was kind of like, huh? What? I thought she died on the stairs. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess I not. Guess not. So, uh, Kirsty grabs a puzzle box, um, and she reverses the motions needed to open the puzzle box and sends the Cenobites back to hell. Yes. Which is not really hell, it's the Cenobite realm. Cenobite world. Yeah. Cenoworld. Cenoworld. A wonderful then, world of Cenobites. So, whatever, and then the house kind of goes up in flames a little bit. Santa land. Centerland. Centerwood? It's Ceno, C E N O, not Centerwood. This is one of those laundry mat things. Yes! It's Centobite! It's Centobite! C E N O! Okay, Centobite, I'm sorry. So Centerland. Centerbite. Centomat. Hey, it works because it's got the O in it. Oh my god. Alright, go ahead, keep going. So then Steve comes in. <laughs> Steve, the boyfriend, comes in. Yeah, Steve makes an appearance. While the house is burning Doesn't down. Doesn't visit her in the hospital, but he shows up when the demons are leaving. Yeah. After the demons are gone. So Steve uh, grabs Kirsty while the house is burning down. Because I forget how the house catches on fire. I think like one of the lasers go rogue and like just catches a wall on yeah, fire really, or something yeah. like that. And, uh, yeah, so they both escape the house. So, after this... Kirsty throws the lament configuration into a burning pyre, which yes. that was cool. They did have there was a bunch of pyres going uh-huh. at the same time, yep. and it was just like the one. And it was like, okay, that's cool. So she throws the lament configuration into the pyre, and the bug eating vagrant makes his return. Yes, he does. He was there for a reason. He walks into the fire, grabs the puzzle box, and shapeshifts into this winged dragon looking thing. He is thing. a demon. Yeah. And flies away. Well, it's not even like yep. a demon. It's like a skeleton dragon thing. Yeah. Grabs it, flies away. The box ends up with the same merchant who sold it to Frank, who is now trying to sell it to another victim. Any credits? Yep, that's it. Good movie. Really good movie. Um, very scary. Uh, spooky. It's spooky. Now, it was. I mean, I remember watching this in the eighties. It was. It was. It was one of those movies where you're like, wow, this is. This is something different. And it really was. At the time, it was really, yeah. really different. I mean, you didn't see anything like this at the time. Um, 
um, it, it deals with a lot of uh, weird sex, sexual, but like torturous ideas. And well, it's like, man, it's Both it's of these movies that we're talking about this week have a lot of sexual undertones with it. Well, it's Clyde Barker. Clyde Barker yeah. does a lot of that. It's, yeah. And I, that's honestly one of my favorite things about both of these movies is like, it's like, yeah, like to us like sound my people, there is obviously that distinguishable thing between pain and pleasure. Yeah. But then Barker just blends them so well where they go in and out of each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just beautifully done. It, it, it makes, it's, I think it's designed to make you uncomfortable, and that's what it does. Yeah. It, it really does a good job with that. Yeah. Both of them do. But this was, yeah, good movie. Excellent. Great movie. Yep. Loved it. All right. So. On to the next one. So, we got my favorite horror movie. Oh, I know what it is. It is uh, Poltergeist 3. Oh, God. Gross. No? Okay. Well, Gross. I tried. All right. So, it is the 1992 American Gothic supernatural horror film, Candyman. The Candyman. The Candyman can. The Candyman can. The Candyman can because he fixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Makes the world taste good. Candyman. Candyman. <laughs> you can even eat the dishes. There's Malcolm in the Middle made it back to the show again. I mean, it's only Malcolm though. It's just Candyman. That's still that's the classic thing from Malcolm when they, he's having Candyman. Yeah, when he's having sick because he's getting ready to meet Oliver North. <laughs> what was it that you told me yesterday <laughs> that I would be like a Reese from Malcolm? <laughs> oh, because you said because you said that you wanted to, you wanted to go uh, be raised by coyotes. I said it was like that episode of Malcolm where Reese was running. He, he made friends with a pack of wild dogs, and they're running around. <laughs> and the post and the, uh, the, the 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 male worker comes to the house. And what? 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 So she yelled at. But yeah, uh, I city towns of sound might think it'd be really cool to be raised coyote- by coyotes. Oh anyway, my God. so Candyman, Candyman, released in 1992, written and directed by Bernard Rose. Um, Clive Barker himself actually gave Rose the rights to Candyman because um, it is also based on Clive Barker's short story, The Forbidden. Yes. So I, I never read The Forbidden. I um, never did either. I just watched Candyman. I don't watch it. I, I, I don't think based on like what. Barker has said about this movie. I think it's pretty close. Yeah. To what yeah, happened. Well, like, Except, like we talked about, the big change was was just the change of scenery where it was yeah. done in Chicago versus uh, with Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I I love how um how Bernard Rose like totally like shifted it to where it it set really good in Caprini Green. Well, yeah, and if versus if, like a lower well, class. And it's that well, too, if you look at the the history of our country, where you know. Black Americans have been treated so poorly, especially back in the 1800s, you know, post-slavery days. Yeah. But slavery was god awful to begin with. I mean, it goes without saying. But after that, I mean, they were still, took a long time for them to, you know, be treated fairly. And yeah. this really honed in on that with the uh, with the, the Candyman origin story. Yeah. Which was like, wow. And that's what I loved about the whole... It, just, it, it was the inner city folklore, but then it tied into this older historical folklore, and it was like, man, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. That was very smart. Very smart move. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, directed and screenplay by Bernard Rose, um, starring Virginia Madsen, uh, Casey Lemons... Xander Berkeley, who also plays Gregory on The Walking Dead. Respect. 
douchebag. He's great at playing douchebags. Yes, he's a good douchebag actor. And then, of course, we have Candyman himself, Tony Todd. I'm not going to do my Tony Todd. Because you made fun of me last time I did it. Because you did the wrong pitch. Helen. There you go. That was better. Oh, hey, all right. I got approval. Okay. Sweet. Uh, Runtime is a little bit longer at 101 minutes. But, that's, that's all right. But it doesn't, it's, it's still, still under the two-hour mark. Yep. So we're good. Yep. Um, the budget was around between eight and nine million, and it made twenty five point eight million at the box office. I can't believe it was eight and nine or nine million. It had to, it had to been like location costs. Had to have been. Well, they also where they filmed at Caprini Green. They also had to pay off well, some of the gangs yeah, there yeah, good, too. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, um, let's see here. Yep, so we already talked about it. Um, it was the British class system in Liverpool, and then it was reset for Caprini Green yep. uh, to focus on the themes of race and social class in the inner city United States. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Candyman has two sequels, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh, released in 1995, and Candyman Day of the Dead, released in 1999, and a direct sequel of the same name was released in 2021. Yeah, that's the one. That's really good. I do like that one. Yeah. I will say, though, I'm not a big, even though Candyman is my favorite horror movie, I am not a big fan of Farewell to the Flesh or Day of the Dead. No, me either. I'm not nope. a big fan because it turns it turns that lore of Candyman into just your traditional slasher. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I don't I don't like it. It's they're just not... they're just money grabs. That's that's all they are. And that's uh yeah they're not really that good. It's part they don't um they don't advance the story very well. Yeah, it's but the uh, direct sequel it was it was really good, very yeah. well done because it also kept the um the traditional Candyman story and then mm-hmm. just made it. Bigger, yes. essentially. Yep. So if you haven't seen it yet, go see New Candyman. It's it's good. You don't have to go. You can just stream it. Well, I'm just saying, just see Candyman. See the new Candyman. See the old Candyman. See Hellraiser. Hell, I don't know. Go get some candy. Go get some candy. And raise some hell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the plot. All right. Do it. All right. Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen. Yes. Is a grad student at University of Illinois Chicago. Um, she's doing her graduate thesis on urban legends, and she learns of the Candyman, a spirit who kills anyone who speaks his name five, his name five times in front of a mirror. Which I thought that was very interesting because normally, like the traditional like Bloody Mary thing is three times. So yeah, I like how they change that words five times. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's one of those like insignificant things, but I just think it's kind of cool because like you don't you don't see that a lot. Normally, it's like three times in the mirror. Yeah. So, um, she, Helen learns of a recent murder at the Caprini Green Homes public housing project and two dozen others that have been attributed by locals to the Candyman. Skeptical, Helen and her friend Bernadette repeat Candyman's name in Helen's bathroom mirror to no avail. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't show. Yeah. I was broken hearted. <laughs> <laughs> so Helen and Bernadette Helen and Bernadette are working on their thesis on how Caprini Green residents use Candyman to cope with the hardship and inequality of living yes. there. She and Bernadette visit the scene of the most recent murder at Caprini Green, which I think that is so funny <laughs> that whole scene because uh, Bernadette asked uh, Helen, she's like, "Do we have a piece?" And Helen's like, "Why do we have, Why do we need a piece?" And Bernadette's like. Because we look like cops. And Helen goes, No, I just said can dress, cons- dress conservatively. And Bernadette goes, We look like cops. Uh, they look like Cagney Lacey getting out of the car. Yeah. 
But it's like, oh my god. We're yeah, calling rates from Lethal Weapon. But whenever they walk into the building, there that was actual gang members that yeah. were in the bottom. That's and cool. the production team had to pay them off. That way nothing bad would happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so funny. Because <laughs> it's like, um, here you go. <laughs> it's, it's make sure no one kills us. That'd be great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, there, Helen discovers a room where offerings have been left for Candyman, which that room is so cool, I think. I yeah, it's, it's neat. I yeah. love, I love the layout of Candyman's lair. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just neat. Uh, after going to the Candyman room. <laughs> Candyman room. <laughs> the Candyman room. Uh, they interview the murder victim's neighbor, Anne-Marie McCoy, a single mother raising her infant son, Anthony. With their dog. Yes. The dog is totally insignificant. So, so later on, Helen and her husband, Trevor, later have dinner with an expert on the Candyman legend. And he explains that Candyman was Daniel Robotail, a African-American man, born in the late 1800s as a son of a slave who grew up to be a well-known painter. Mm. After Daniel fell in love with a woman and impregnated her, well... A white woman. White woman. Sorry, that's a that's a big thing. Uh, her father sent a lynch mob after him. Well, you know, yeah. Bust, the lynch mob busted a honeycomb over his chest, and he got stung to death by bees. Yes. And so, as a as another fuck you, they also cut off his hand and shoved a big metal hook in it. Yep. His corpse was then burned in a pyre. Uh, which was on the site of the Cabrini Green Homes. Isn't American history great? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's some terrible. We did some terrible things. And I know it's fiction. I understand that. But we I can still see, do. You, you can still see some shit like this happening. Ameri- Americans yeah. kind of suck. No. Oh, no, 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 no. No, don't say that. Are you crazy? <laughs> just kidding. Good I'm lord. Kidding. Oh, God. The government's going to come after me. No, it's not the government. It's the people. They'll be out, out after you. A bunch of maggots outside. Oh, a fucking winter. Okay, go ahead. I mean... <laughs> you're still backtracking. You're like, I, I mean, um... No, we've done some shitty things as a, as God a society. Godless America. <laughs> no, honestly, we have done some shitty things. Oh, yeah. But all countries have that. All, all, all countries have... And we act like we're the only ones, but we're not. I mean, every yeah. every society has conquered another society to get where they are. Yeah. So, But we were just kind of really, you know... Hey, Power yeah, we were kind of like, hey, we had you as slaves, so now you're free. Okay, free. I mean, oh, you're not really free. You're free, but you can only do. Because we're still gonna treat you like what shit. we're what we're gonna let you do. That's basically yeah. what happened. Yeah, and it's it was ridiculous. Yeah. It's very terrible. All right, so after the next day, whenever Helen returns to Gray Green, she meets a young boy named Jake, and he tells her of an incident where wait, Jake, Jake from State Farm. No. Was he wearing khakis? No. He was, okay, go he was ahead. a little boy. He was a cute little boy. In I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, he tells Helen of a disabled boy that was violently castrated by the Candyman in a public bathroom. Ugh. Lord have mercy. So Helen, being the strong white woman she is. <laughs> yes. Dress, dressed like, like a, a cop. cop. <laughs> <laughs> she goes into the public bathroom and she opens up the stalls one by one. And I will say that this public bathroom is not the cleanest in the world. I, I said it before. Art the Clown was... was yeah, it literally there. had shit written on the wall in shit. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, oh, it God. was not... Not pleasant. It was gross. But, yeah, so she's opened up each stall and taking pictures of each stall for some reason. 
<laughs> She's studying dirty, dirty, dirty toilets in late twentieth century history. Yeah, and so, but she gets the last one, and this gang walks in. Yes, and it's a man holding a metal hook, yep. and he looks at her, and he goes, "I heard you're looking for Candyman, bitch. Well, you found him," and he beats the holy hell out of her. Yeah, she takes a beating. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so later on, she, guy gets arrested, she identifies him to the police, and they recognize him as the head of a local gang, and he is therefore charged for the recent murders of Candyman. Yep. Oh, case solved. Good movie. Case solved. Congratulations. She, Helen then tells Jake, like, oh, there's nothing to worry about, and Jake is honestly one of the strongest members of the Candyman's congregation. Yeah. Like, he believes that shit. Oh, yeah. You and believe- having this lady be like, Jake, honey, Candyman's not real. He's not real. He's like, yeah, fuck you, okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Bitch, I've seen this shit. So, uh, Helen and Bernadette, they go to the school. They finish up their thesis a little bit. They go to the parking garage, walking, talking. Bernadette gets off on one floor. Helen goes up to the next floor to go to the car. She's walking to her car. She hits her button. And she hears... Helen. No, it's Helen. Thank you. I can't. I can't get that baritone. <laughs> and guess what? It's motherfucking Tony Todd, bitches. <laughs> Tony Todd. Yes. Tony Todd, bitches. Tony Todd as the real Candyman. Yep. And he's like, bitch. How dare you blaspheme my name? <laughs> but he says it a lot colder than you do, though. Yeah, he's just yelling, "Be my victim." Yeah. Be my victim. Be my victim. And I, I that scene, because I, I learned something about this movie. So, whenever Candyman is talking to her, Helen looks like she's in like this trance-like state. Yes. And so, before they started shooting, Bernard Rose had Virginia Madsen go to a hypnotist and basically give them a code word to use to put her in a trance. Yeah. So whenever he's talking, she's just in this trance-like state. And eventually took Virginia Madsen and be like, Listen, I can't go under anymore. Please stop. And, and, and you think about it. She, you said something that she um, she couldn't uh, like talk to Tony for a while. Or yeah. Like and I can just imagine with Tony's voice, because Tony's got that damn voice. It's like He's so deep and raspy. It's, it's and like that, man, you know, uh, like, like Barry White. Barry White. <laughs> Not Vanna White or wherever no, you No, I said Barry Barry Gibb, yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally different voice. Uh, but yeah, I mean... It, 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 I, could, I could sit there, I could let Tony Todd read to me every night, I'd go to sleep. Oh my just god, like, Tony just Todd like, has uh, just that beautiful, thick I, I want to hear Tony Todd do um, um, Dr. Seuss. One fish, <laughs> two fish... Red fish. Blue fish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Candyman appears to Helen in the parking garage. Uh, he hypnotizes her and explains that due to her miscredit of his legend, basically she ruined his street cred. Yeah. He now must shed innocent blood That's right, to get her. his street cred back. It's on her. You done done it. You done you done messed up, A A Ron. You oh, I was gonna say you done fucked up A Ron, but alright. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Helen blacks out, and she wakes up in Anne-Marie's apartment. That's cool. I mean, that's, that's good she's there. It's, um, 
Okay, it's a nice cozy place, and uh... And it's good to be covered in blood. Yeah, wait, what? She's covered in blood. Wait, what? Uh, uh, covered in blood? Yeah. And she finds Amory's dog, a Rottweiler named Annie, decapitated on the floor, and Anthony, the son, is missing. Mmm. It's, so it's the old headless dog missing kid routine, I see. <laughs> yeah, because we see that trope so often in horror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah, but, like, it was it was a very gruesome... Uh, Decapitating oh, yeah. scene because it was—it's like his body, her body was there, like her head was over there. It was like, oh god, Jesus, what did you do? Yeah, so obviously Amory is calm about the whole situation. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no. She goes at Helen. Obviously, is like, you took my baby. You took my baby. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? And she and she throws Helen on the ground, starts beating the shit out of her, and that's right whenever the cops come in. Yep, and the cops, they they. Take Amory's side and can get get the uh, criminal out of her apartment calmly, right? Well, they kind of beat around uh, Amory. Yeah, it's, a, it's like that, that's why I was like, okay, I'm glad they they kept it true to form because that's probably what the cops in Chicago would do. They'd go in there and go, oh god, there's a white woman getting beat up. We have to save her. It's like, wait a minute, come on, guys. Yeah, then. Well, then the police do arrive and they eventually do arrest Helen right, once yeah, everyone gets calmed down. Yeah, well, they're calmed down after, after they, 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 they get the black woman calmed down. You know, that's what they, that's what they do. And they look down, they're like, oh, wait a minute. That white chick's covering dog blood. Oh, shit, look at that dog. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I think we got the wrong person, Sarge. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they arrest Helen. Yes. So then Trevor bails her out of jail. And Helen finds the Candyman in a photograph that she took of Katrina. Now, how did she make bail, by the way? How did uh, you just kind of dogs it? Trevor's a professor, so he's making. But, but you would, you wouldn't. There's no way they would have her a, an available a bail. Potential to get a potential kidnapped, a kidnapped child, and a <laughs> a decapitated dog, a, a home break in. I mean, come on. But I know it's a movie. Go on. Well, so Trevor post bail. Yeah. Because he's a loving husband. He does great. <laughs> this is anyway. color pink. pink. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so she sees Candyman in a picture that she took of Pretty Green. Uh, Candyman breaks into Helen's apartment and cuts her neck, causing her to bleed and pass out. Yes. So Bernadette was on her way over to come work on the thesis a little bit. Uh-huh. Bernadette arrives in Helen's apartment. And when Helen comes back, too, after passing out, she sees that Candyman has murdered Bernadette. Yes. Which Bernadette has been there for maybe a week. <laughs> yeah, body she, looked, yeah, she looked pretty pretty bad. She looked like the, the girl that cut her wrists on Beetlejuice, like the, the social worker yeah, girl. She was blue. Yeah, she was blue. She's like, like, I wouldn't have a little accident. It's like all the blood draining out of her body. So yeah, which, I mean, that, it was cool seeing that, but also it was kind of like, mm. I mean, this happened, what, like an hour ago? Yep. She wouldn't be blue yet. No. It, it, it was like it was like a dark, like Pepsi but, but, blue. But the, I think the whole point of it is so obviously Candyman is only coming to see Helen. So now it's like, oh, now we have this woman who has just killed a dog, who is a possible kidnapper of a child, and now she's got a dead body in her apartment. Things are starting to fall apart for Miss Helen. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. Uh, Helen was then framed for the crime, obviously, because, yes. you know, dead dog, kidnapped kid. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, this woman is a loon. It, yeah. And so, they take her to a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. 
While she's being interviewed in preparation for her trial a month later, Helen attempts to prove her innocence by summoning the Candyman who appears and murders her psychiatrist. <laughs> like, hey, hey, Doc, watch this shit. <laughs> Which, the death of the psychiatrist is probably my favorite kill in this movie because it's just so brutal. It is. It really is a brutal one. Because it's like, it's like the, you see the psychiatrist be like, what the fuck, this lady's crazy. And then uh, Candyman comes back behind him and slices him from groin to gullet. Yep. And it's just, it's the... Nuts psych- and neck. It's psychiatrist, you know, spewing blood all over Helen. She's mm. like, ah, ah, And she's strapped <laughs> out of the chair. <laughs> Poor Helen, she's covered in blood after this movie. I know. But, so, um, Candyman frees Helen from her restraints and, like, flies out backwards through a window, which was kind of weird, honestly. As much as I love this movie, that one scene, I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. And so, he had just jumped out the window, just... He had to go. But you can kind of see the wires he was hooked to, too. And oh, God, leave it alone. But anyway, um, Kitty Man frees Helen and allows her to escape. Yes. Her escape route wasn't the, uh, wasn't the greatest in the world no. either. Because she climbs out the window that he just flew backwards through, huh? shimmies down a couple ways, gets an open window, knocks a nurse out that's tending to a person in a catatonic state. Yes. Knocks the nurse out, steal the nurse's clothes. The guy laying in the bed is staring at her like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> she walks out of the room. <laughs> She's standing for an elevator. The cops come in finally. They're running down the hallway. She's wiping the blood off her face and pushing the elevator, but like she has to get somewhere. Like, she's like Joker from Dark Knight, like Heath Ledger walking outside in the nurse's outfit. It's like, eh, nothing to say here. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I think cops would have stopped her because she looks sketch as hell. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Ah, she, had yeah, but, she had to get away, though. Yeah, so she, she gets away, and then she runs back to her apartment. Yes. Well, she finds that the apartment is different now. All the furniture is covered up with sheets, and huh. it's getting painted pink. She well, ran- she's been gone a month. I mean, maybe, maybe, um, maybe her boyfriend or her husband is trying to um, give it a fresh look for when she's able to come home. Or she rounds the corner and sees uh, one of Trevor's students painting the wall. Ah, that's what it is. Oh. Yeah. So she rounds the corner and she sees Stacy, one of the students, and she just calmly says, Get the hell out of my home. And Stacy immediately crumbles like a house of cards. And I love it of so much. Of course she does. She's standing there in front of a woman who's like a murderer or accused murderer who's obviously escaped from somewhere. It's like, oh shit. I think my favorite part about this scene is how relatively calm Helen is throughout the whole thing. Oh yeah, she's done. She's done with it all. Yeah. So Trevor comes out and he sees Helen and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> and uh, she... Like, is talking to Trevor, like, why didn't, like, were you going to wait until I got out to tell me you knew I wasn't going to get out, blah, 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 blah. She's looking around, she's like, I hate the color scheme, and like a badass takes a bucket of paint and throws it against the wall. I'm like, fuck yeah, girl, get your licks in. damn Barbie pink that they're painting it. I know, it's not even Barbie pink. It's like, it's like the gross, like, Pepto-Bismol like pink. Pepto, yeah, it's Pepto. Yeah. It's gross. It is pretty nasty. It's a ter- terrible was, color. And then, like, Trevor's, of course, saying, like, I think we need to call the hospital again. I think we need to call the hospital. And so Helen, being the badass she is, she takes the phone off the hook, and she hands it to Stacey. She goes, make the call. You know you want to. 
and Stacy's over there in the corner, like, <laughs> you know, like, don't oh, touch me. I just want to paint my Pepto Bismol on the wall. <laughs> but I think, honestly, because this is probably my favorite scene in the whole thing, because Helen is so calm throughout the whole thing, because she's just done. Yeah. She's done with everyone thinking that she's a murderer, everyone thinking that she's a killer, everyone thinking, you know, all bullshit ever. And she, whenever she walks in, Trevor walks in, she goes, what's the matter, Trevor? You scared or something? Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing! Foreshadowing! <laughs> pew, 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 pew! But yeah, so, Helen has her whole thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, our dog just kind of looked up at me while I went, Treats? Did no. you say the, the T word? No. Uh, so, Heller, Hell, Heller, yeah. Heller Highwater. Heller Highwater. Um, Helen then uh, leads to Caprini Green to then rescue Anthony. Uh, she finds Candyman in his lair, and she tries to kill him with one of the hooks that he has on the wall. <laughs> yeah, man, he's got he had that different hooks for different days. You know, some people have their their different underwear for different days. You have your days of the week underwear. He's got a day of the week hook. Yeah, all right. Yeah, or or he just has a bunch of hooks. I mean, whatever. So um, she tries to kill him with one of his hooks. It doesn't work, and he then like hypnotizes her again, and he tells Helen that her serenity. Her surrendering to him, if I can speak, will ensure Anthony's safety. Yes. Offering Helen immortality, the Candyman opens his coat, reveals a rib cage wreathed in bees. Bees pour out of his mouth, go all over Helen's face, and then he kisses her. Yes. Great scene. Classic yes. scene. Great scene. And it reminds you of the, uh, we talked about it before, the Tony Todd giving $1,000 for a bee sting. Yeah, and he had 23 bee stings. Yep, that's, that's a good payday right there. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, she passes out again, because I think she might have an iron deficiency, because she's possible. passing out narcolepsy. left and right. I think right. she's narcolepsy, I believe. Uh, so then Candyman vanishes with Anthony, and Helen wakes up to discover a mural of the Candyman and his lover white woman who bears a striking resemblance to her. Now, I have a question for you. Yes. I don't think this is ever stated in the uh, the movie or anything, or the lore or anything, mm-hmm. but do you think Candyman just focused solely on Helen because she looked like the white woman? Or was it kind of like a reincarnation scenario where it was like, oh, this is the woman, she just doesn't remember this? I don't I don't think it's a reincarnation thing. I, don't, I think she just, she just resembles her and when she summons him, and he realizes it, he's like, "Oh wow, this could be this could be the reincarnated love that I had, that was taken from me all those years ago." Yeah. And she's like, "No, I'm not that person." And he just is in his mind. He may he probably thinks in his mind it is. And if I could just get her to to submit to me, we would be. <laughs> We'd be, An immortal power couple. We'd be hooked together forever. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> They'd be hooked on a feeling. Uh, 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 dun, dun, hooked on a feeling. Uh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm high on believing <sighs> that you're in love with me. <laughs> okay. Where's the edit button at? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, the Canadian promises to release Anthony if Helen helps him strike fear into Caprini Green's residence. Yes. Attempting to feed his legend, the Candyman uh, attempts to immortalize uh, Helen and Anthony in a pyre. Uh, 
and then Helen's like, fuck that, and stabs him with a flaming piece of wood. Yes. And she tries, she grabs Anthony and crawls both of them out. So, the flames destroy Candyman, and bees fly out of the pyre. Yes. And Helen dies while saving Anthony, because she gets her hair caught on fire, and her yeah, back it's is pretty gruesome. It's a, it's a pretty gruesome, uh, Fingers and burn scene. Yeah, it really is. But it's it's really cool for Helen to have that redemption arc, especially with Anne Marie. With Anne Marie, that's I think that was that was the most important thing was that because Anne Marie, of course, thinks that Helen's you know a kidnapper. You killed my dog. You tried to kill my kid. Then you realize, oh no, wait. And then you realize, oh shit, she's trying to save him from the Candyman. Yeah. It's like wow. Yeah. So, uh, the Caprini Green residents, led by Amory and Jake, pay their respects at Helen's funeral, which was really shitty of Trevor to do, because he brought Stacy along to Helen's funeral. I know, it was, it was like, it was very odd, but there was like, only like four people there. Like, yeah, it was Stacy, Trevor, but, and the two but, guys they had dinner with. But then, but then again, you And know, then they had the freaking parade in, of In Caprini their minds, she's a murderer, so yeah. you have to remember that. I mean, not many, many murderers are going to have a lot of people at their Yes. Yeah. But then the parade of Caprini Green residents come in, and then Jake, in order to immortalize and have that big congregation follow with Helen, because, you know, Candyman was... Both of them, you can really see them with the immortalization, I guess that's how you say it, because they were both trying to do something good, and then something really bad happened to them both. Yes. And so I just think that's really cool how you can make that connection with both Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. But, so, Jake then drops a metal hook into the hole that Helen is buried into. Yes. In order just to symbolize that. Yep. Uh, at home, the grief-stricken and guilt-ridden Trevor looks into his bathroom mirror and says Helen's name five times. He goes, Helen. Oh, Helen, Helen. 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 And he turns off the light, and then Helen's vengeful spirit appears behind him, and she goes, What's the matter, Trevor? You scared or something? And then she slices him from groin to gullet with that hook, <laughs> bitches! Nothing there! Yeah! Um, and then his body ends up in the bathtub, you know, looking all stupid, like, ooh. And then Stacy <laughs> comes in, because Stacy's cooking dinner for him, and she opens the bathroom door, and she's like, ah! You know, because you know, and she's holding a knife, which doesn't look good for Stacy. No. But uh, so then we cut to a mural in the Candyman's lair, which shows Helen dressed in white with her hair ablaze, next to the Candyman. Yep, she's end credits. She's the new legend of Capri Greens. Yes. Yep. So what? What do you think Stacy was making for dinner? Let's be honest. She's well, probably making Dino Nuggets. I mean, yeah, let's, no, well, let's she, was, she was making like steaks and stuff. Oh, was she? Uh, yeah, because she, she grabbed the steaks. She grabbed the steaks from the that's, fridge and threw them on the counter because she was pissed off at Trevor. That's right. Oh, yeah. God forbid for him mourning his I, wife. I really see her as um, like a Dino Nuggets and uh, macaroni and cheese type girl. I believe. I like Dino Nuggets. I know you like Dino Nuggets. That's all you know how to cook. Oh, that's not true. Beating them dinosaurs. Anyway, back to the movie. Great yeah. movie. Love the whole lore of it. Love the whole history of it. It's just creepy. Great gore. Um, just a fun. No, I, you can't even say it's a fun movie. It's it's. Uh, it's one of those movies that it almost like Helen. It loops you in, yeah. and you just sit there for two hours. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. It's. 
Uh, it's just a great story. It's just yeah. a fantastic story. Just, it's, great, it, it, it's great storytelling. It's one of those rare horror movies, and Hellraiser 2, where it is solid yeah. from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Now, most of your horror movies, they'll have like a slow part in the middle. So, like, like Friday the 13th Part 1, it's that like little slow part, whatever. Alice goes and takes a nap, and then she wakes up and makes a cup of coffee while all of her friends are getting killed. Kevin Bacon's in his Speedo. Yeah, and all that, yeah. But you, you get what I'm saying, though. How it's like, yeah. parts like that where you're like, what, what the hell is that doing there? But Hellraiser and Candyman both, they don't have a single scene that I can think of, at least, where it's like, what the hell is that? There's not there? there's not a throwaway scene in yeah. either movie. Yeah, and it's just it's both of them are so solid, so it's yeah. gonna be a hard choice for you. Not very hard. <laughs> I'll get there though, so yeah. I'm ready. All right, you ready? I'm ready, Sydney. All right. Well, it is time for judgment. <sighs> Let's go. Yeah. Questions. Five questions. They are not the ones you heard before. Oh, good. good I changed good. them up I a like little bit. I like new questions. I like new yeah. questions. I do. So, question one. Which movie had the better special effects? The better special effects? Yeah. Oh, so, man. That, that includes the gore as well as the oh, I know. effects makeup. Yeah, so, I like the Cenobites and Candyman's makeup. Um... I didn't like the the the, the lasers in uh, Hellraiser, the, <laughs> the, the cheesy you know shocky yeah. looking things. That was, was I did did not care for that at all. Um, so I would say honestly, I think with the bees and the gore in the movie, I would have to say Candyman. I would, all right. and I love the makeup. But don't don't get me wrong, I love the makeup in in Hellraiser. But it's just awesome. the, the lasers. The lasers, really, yeah. It's it's very very eighties. I'm very, honestly very surprised 80s. you didn't say Hellraiser because that ending scene where it was like the transformation of the vagrant into the big dragon. Yeah, that's pretty cool too. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I also agree. Who's texting you? Yeah, I don't know. Let me say this. All right. It's, uh, update. Okay, it's game time. <laughs> it's game time. Yeah, right. Go ahead. No good. All right. So, question two. Would you rather get stung by a bee 23 times without the payout of $1,000 each, or sit in a makeup chair for six hours to look like Pinhead? Oh, God. I'd have to take the bees. I couldn't sit still for six hours. You know me. I, I can't do that. It's not... So you get stung by a bee 23 times without anything. Yeah, bees, I mean, you know, it's a... I don't know. It's just a bee. I mean, it's not... The, I'm, not see, I'm, not, I'm not like most people like, oh, it's a bee. Uh, you know, no. It's, it doesn't bother me. But the other one just doesn't have pain. You're just sitting there for six hours. Yeah, but still, I don't think I want to do that. I don't think I can sit there for six hours. All right. Would you rather make out with Candyman with the bees coming out of his mouth... Or a skinless Uncle Frank. Neither. <laughs> Just pick Neither. one. Neither. You gotta pick one. <sighs> the 
That's disgusting. Oh, come on, man. I'm, uh, Fine, I can change it. No, no, leave it. Make out with Helen with the bees coming you know, out of her you know mouth or skinless Julia. Okay. All right, well, no, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm going to go opposite Nick Cage. I'm not going to say, not the bees. I'm going to say, give me the bees. I'll okay. take the bees. All right, bees. I'll take the bees. I'm not kissing that bloody herpy. <laughs> Nasty. All right, question four. Who is a better lover, Julia or Trevor? Better, wait, a better lover? Just, just a better uh, partner. In oh, okay. So, like, okay, I'd say better. So, I think Julia let me do some freaky shit. So, so like, fun. so, like, what I'm thinking is, like, Julia to Larry or Trevor to Helen? Trevor to Helen, definitely. Trevor to Helen. Why? Even, even though he, even though he, um... He yeah, even though he, he he got with the student and all that after she only been gone for a month, but Julia killed her husband. I mean, come on. Well, she didn't do shit. She just kind of was like, "Oh, there's something in the attic." <laughs> yeah, she led him to his death, though. I mean, at least Trevor. I mean, at least he bailed bailed up bailed up. What's her name out? Helen. I mean, yeah. at least he bailed her out of jail at one time. True. You know. So. All right. Question five. Yes. Which movie is this week's slash? Tough choice. Obviously, both movies are great. Love both movies. Um, really think that Pinhead is one of the cooler characters in um, horror. If like from from day one, where we're talking like all the way back to Dracula, Frankenstein, when you get up into the eighties or the seventies, eighties guys like Michael Myers, and you've got Jason and Freddy, and then you've got Pinhead. I think he's one of the, the iconic ones as well. But, as a whole, the better movie is Candyman, without question. Woohoo! The lore of Candyman, the, the whole um, the whole story behind it, the way it goes back in history and kind of delves into uh, like the uh, the sins of, of of our past, and it just it's just it's just just a better movie to me. And I just I just think it's 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 the uh, the winner this week. Alright, and your winner for this week, congratulations to director Bernard Rose, Clive Barker for writing The Forbidden, who also helped adapt the screenplay, Virginia Madsen, Xander Berkeley, Casey Lemons, and most of all, Tony motherfucking Todd, because <laughs> your 1992 classic horror movie, my favorite horror movie, Candyman, is this week's Slash. And where there's a winner, there must be a loser. Take it away, Matt. Okay, I'm going to do my pinhead. Pinhead. I regret to inform you. <laughs> You have been chosen to be feasted upon this week. <laughs> Clive Barker. <laughs> so, that is so awful. Oh my god. Yeah. Listen, I like this movie. I do. But I gotta say it. Doug Bradley, Pinhead, all the Cenobites. <laughs> Clyde Barker. Except for that cheesy CD one in, in part yeah, two. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> part three. Yeah, you suck anyway. But Clyde Barker, I regret to inform you that this week, Hellraiser is 
Trash. Oh, you suck, Matt. Yeah, I know. God almighty, they're going to come get me now, the Cenobites. All right, let's do some plugs. Yeah, get, you got them. It's you. Yeah, it's let's me. go. You do them. All right. It's you. Huh? It's you. Wait, at Tennessee Baseball. At Tennessee Baseball. Good luck tonight. Win that game, boys. Yeah, win the game, boys. Now, if now if they lose before the this comes ball. out, um, we're not we're not ending it up. I retract. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So at the Newton Fam, obviously the Newton Fam, we we love them. They they retweet some of our stuff a lot. You know, a bunch of cool stuff that you can see on there. Uh, they promote Joe Bob Briggs and stuff like that. You know, if you're not watching Joe Bob Briggs, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Watch it, man! It's a it's a good show. Last driving. It's coming back. Um, they're on hiatus right now. It's coming back in the next couple weeks. Yeah, they just they just um, I just saw the mutant family tweet a video that Joe brought. That's sweet. So that's why I was shouting them out. Um, at horror and haunted with their gift trains. Love them so much. Um, at Ted Geo I cannot say his name. Um. He made he uh, directed Brooklyn Forty Five on Shutter. Great movie. Very good movie. Great Very movie. Good. I I I can't wait to see more of what he does. Yes. Very um, good movie. Very. Very was like old school. It was yeah. um, it was a really neat neat movie. It had, it had a um, so it had like the, the the whole murder mystery vibe to it, but then it had like some Evil Dead sort of parts to it. You're like, man, it's pretty cool. That's neat the way it was done. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Who else should I say? The boys are coming back soon. Uh-huh. The boys? What? What? I don't know. I, don't, I saw somebody, they keep posting on here, and that's why I was like, yeah. Oh, so exciting. I'm sure it's coming back soon. So check out the boys. All right. So, um, another one I just saw is Belle de Gore at Brooke, but why? Um, <laughs> she posts some funny stuff. Uh, Listen to some of the podcasts we listen to. Listen to Tell Them Steve Dave. Listen to Last Driving. Not, last Driving, yeah. Last Podcast on the Left. Wow. And that one just... Um, <laughs> trivia Warfare Trivia. If you're, if you're a trivia junkie and you want to learn about cool stuff, listen to Trivia Warfare. It's fun. Um, support podcasters. Support filmmakers. Uh, we support WGA... Um, in their strike, you know, pay the writers more. They do all the work. And we support WAG, too. I, I still don't know what WAG is. I don't know if we support WAG. I don't know. It might be something bad. If it's something bad, we don't support it. It could be. It's a possibility. But, um, yeah, so then check us out on Twitter at slash trash pod. My personal Twitter is Sid Townsend 1221. I am TN Godfather. That is F-O-D-D-E-R. All right. I have nothing else. Check us out. Good deal. Oh, oh, it's also kitten season. So, oh, foster, season. foster slash adopt a kitten if you can. Um, if you can't, then just donate to your local shelter. Uh, supplies, they're always in need of pet supplies, blankets, towels, stuff like that. It's it's just, a little goes a long way in shelters. So, Kittens, God. Kiss my ass. I never told you before, I love cats. I just can't eat a whole one by myself. Well, that's your fault. I know, it's me. All right. Great movies for next week. Yeah, let's hear All it. All right, man. We're going back to some... We're going to do some zombies. I love Hells, zombies. Hells, yeah. My favorites are the zombies. <laughs> How about a... Let's do a 2004 Dawn of the Dead. The Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Oh, great movie. Yes, it great is. Great movie. Yes. Uh, up against... 28 Days Later. Oh, yes, it's, uh, man. 2002. That, yeah, that, uh, 
I'm getting there. <laughs> you didn't say the year. Right? 2002, 20, as opposed to the other 28 days later. Shut up. Just saying. Danny Boyle, great movie. Almost sort of, sort of reinvented the, uh, the the zombie genre with that movie. Oh, you suck so you, you bad. Fast zombies. Now, listen. And and they're, it's not even like a zombie virus. It's a rage virus. Listen. It's highly, highly contagious. Pretty damn awesome. It's going to be fun. You know me. I'm not like the biggest fan of zombie movies. That's not like, I love them. That's oh, not like I love my them. go-to. But both of those movies are just solid ass movies and I hate you so much. No, well, that's good. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Well that else? was my goal. No, that's all I got tonight all right, or today. Cool. So uh make sure you subscribe and listen to our podcast. Check us out on Twitter. We don't have an Instagram. Uh pick us up on Spotify. Hopefully we can get on some more um platforms. Platforms, thank you. Yep. Are you finishing my uh <laughs> like your hype man. <laughs> are you finishing my uh sandwiches? Close. <laughs> Alright, that's it. Thank you for listening. Take care. Good night. God bless. Love you, Sid. This has been Slash or Trash.